Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 83. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 1985 horror comedy Return of the Living Dead, which is available right now on Shudder. Hell yeah. We're living in the 80s. We'd like to say up front that this movie is on Shudder for uh, about another week or so. So When this comes out? Yes. Watch okay, cool. this while you can. You absolutely should. I think that like we can say off the bat, this is one to watch. It's super fun. Uh, great addition to the zombie canon. It's extremely fun. Yeah. It's like the it's the prototypical zombie comedy. Yes. Right. It now, is very much a comedy. It's not self serious at all. The twenty first century is full of zombie comedies. It became the thing for a while. I think post Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. There's always I mean there's zombie romances. There's also lots of serious zombie stuff. So I think zombies in general sort of took over the. Um, pop culture. Zeitgeist? Yeah, for a little bit there. This movie was written and directed by Dan O'Bannon, who... Dan and O'Bannon. You may know from writing Alien and Total Recall, and he's good friends with uh, John Carpenter from their USC days. Cute. This was his directorial debut. Uh, originally, Toby Hooper was going to direct it from his script, mm. but then Toby Hooper dropped out, I think because of Life Force, and then, which Dan O'Bannon also wrote... And then Dan O'Bannon ended up directing it. We should also say, this movie is kind of a spinoff of Night of the Living Dead. George Romero's 1968 yeah, film. Yeah, spinoff isn't really the right word, but it is like a reaction to it. It was produced by John Russo, who also produced Night of the Living Dead. And John Russo actually wrote the like original script that Dan O'Bannon then tore up and was like, let's make this funnier. When... Night of the Living Dead happened. There's a great complicated history of the rights to Night of the Living Dead, which is uh, in public domain and has been in public domain basically since it released. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a separate episode. <laughs> but uh, George Romero, obviously, he's our our, our zombie granddad. Zombie dad, yeah, right? yeah. Right? Yeah. Like he, everything we know about zombies, we learned from Romero. And Romero got to go on and make movies called Of the Dead, and John Russo got to make. Living Dead movies. So, so this movie funny. is a return of the Living Dead because that was the that was what they agreed between them. Though it doesn't really make sense to me if this if Night of the Living Dead was in public domain, why does it like George to Romero anyone? had to listen yeah. to that? It doesn't make any sense. But to I guess me. he but respected. It's very funny. I think it's very funny that now then that's why we have like Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead and all these things that are like of the dead and then mm-hmm. the Living Dead is a separate thing. I think it's very funny. Yeah. Like we said, this is a this is a fun, good movie. I loved it. You'd seen it before. I had not. I did. I actually just watched this. Um, I think I saw this back in June. Yeah, and I remember you watching it and not being super interested because I'm not really a zombie movie person. I really do love Night of the Living Dead, obviously, but yeah. um, more for its like historical purposes. And social, like social, exactly. Like I mean, it's it's fascinating to think about in the modern day. Um, but I'm not a zombie person. I never really have been comedy or drama. Um, and so I, I remember you watching it and just thinking like, oh, there's like this kind of funny punk crew. Yeah. That's all I really remembered about it. And plus that's very evident from like the poster and the promotional materials are these like um, male and female skeleton punks is like very much what the imagery of this movie is. Yeah, that punk crew is uh, is important to this. Before we dive into the plot, which we will recap, I just wanted to say this movie innovated in three important ways. It is credited as the first movie where zombies run, and run they do. They sure do. 
it is credited as the first movie where zombies actually talk. A lot of mm-hmm. talking, a lot of chatter from them. Yeah. Like, yeah. actually, like, talk, talk, like not, phys- just... not just... And not even just brains or whatever. Like, they ha- they can really talk to you. This is also the first movie where zombies eat brains. Fascinating. Before so this, funny. zombies were flesh eaters. Romero zombies are flesh eaters. Yeah. And this is where it really became about brains. And that's an important part of the, the plot of this. And I think we teased this in our last episode that um, Don Mancini talks in In Search of Darkness about how how much the the brains thing really spoke to him and like interested him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting it's because I think that the, the contemporary, our understanding, even us growing up, right? Zombies ate brains. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent where it, like, but I think they've, we've returned to flesh zombies now and that like, they'll just kind of eat whatever they can get their hands on. Right. Like they're not picky, but we were born half a decade after this movie and already, I mean, obviously we didn't know about zombies when we were born. But by the time that we were consuming pop culture, zombies were brain eaters. Yes. And that's so fascinating to me that that starts in 85. It's very fascinating. And with this movie, it's so funny that you say that because it's like, like I, like I think I said at the very top, like this is a reaction to zombie movies. So the fact yeah. that it was not only reacting, but also innovating is so fascinating to me. It really is. We're going to recap the plot. Though again, we recommend you see this movie. With the caveat that the plot is not really the important part of what's going on here. It's mostly a lot of they run from one place to the other and zombies eat people. Uh, It starts off with a truly excellent title card that says the events portrayed in this film are all true. The names are real names of real people and real organizations, which is just so funny. It's so funny. funny. It made me laugh so hard. It just, you start off just being like, okay, yeah, this is like reacting. Yeah, it's a nutty way to just start it where you're like, oh, this is what we're doing. This is what we're in. You know, there's, we're not uh, fucking around. It's really funny. On July 3rd in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, there's a kid named Freddie who just got a job at a medical supply warehouse. His supervisor, Frank, is showing him around and... Introducing him to the job. It's his first night on the job. He gets off at 10 p.m. So he's he's having his first shift. Yeah. His friends are a group of L.A. punks who are driving around waiting for him to They're get off. They're not even a group of L.A. punks. I found this so fascinating. They're like half punk, half prep. They've got like his girlfriend, Freddie's girlfriend, is no question a prep. She is the preppiest like yeah. 80s girl you've ever seen. And even I think probably one of her friends, Casey... Is also really preppy. Her she's hair a, is a little too cool. She, yeah, she's a little bit more like in the other. She's like kind of straddling the line, but like she's wearing like turquoise and big beads. Yeah, like she's a party girl. Uh, it's 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 a very and then even um who's the guy who hangs out with Casey in the movie? I don't know. He's his in name. like a suit. Yeah. So like they're not. They actually weirdly don't comport into like. Uh, I mean, they do convert it into genres, but like not in the way you'd expect. I was just always, I was just really struck by them that they're just this funny little group that it kind of defies the norm. Yeah, I, that's fair. It may, I, I liked it. It was, it was immediately something that I liked about the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're driving around, um, waiting for him to get off work. They end up hanging out in a cemetery because they're bored and have nothing else to do until Freddie gets off work. Meanwhile, Frank is showing Freddy around inside the Unita Medical Supply Warehouse. And he tells him this story about... Well, first of all, he says, did you ever see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Which is just very funny. I love it. Tells a story about how that was based on a true story and they changed all the facts around so that they wouldn't get sued by the army. And how they have a canister of this chemical, 245 trioxin, down in the basement. And 
when it had a leakage in in Pittsburgh that it it made the bodies jump around. They all all the dead bodies were animated, and he says, "Oh, we got they said the army accidentally sent some to us. We got some down in the basement. They go down there, they fuck around with it. They open the canister <laughs> just... in a truly just hilarious." Uh, Freddy's like, don't don't mess around with that. Frank's like, this was designed by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and slaps it. And then the <laughs> gas starts pouring out. <laughs> and we get our credits. That's how we uh, open up with our with our credits. Which is so fun because it's been a while. It's been like quite a bit of the movie already. And it, that being kind of a subtle moment of like, and now we're really starting is so funny that like we're just wandering around this warehouse for a long time. Like... And it's okay, funny. bones, like, bodies. It is very funny. The jokes are good. The jokes are good. It sets up the tone really immediately. Um, but it, that being the moment of like, and now the movie is beginning, is just hysterical. I loved it. So Freddie and Frank wake up. They passed out from the chemicals. And all of the dead things in the medical supply warehouse are coming to life. There's a dog that's been dissected and mounted, and it's wagging its tail. There are butterflies mounted to a corkboard. Uh, it's one of my favorite details because they don't actually call attention to it. It's just in the foreground of the shot and the butterflies are waving their wings. And the... the I love that shot of the butterflies. Cadaver, the one cadaver that they have on hand, usually they have more, but right now they have the one, has come to life and is running around trying to attack yes, them. Yes, it's a very strange, creepy looking cadaver too because it's fully... It's not gory. It's just this kind of big... It's very yellow. Ye- very yellow, like jaundiced um, and kind of faceless uh, and smooth. Very like off-putting again not in a gory way just in like a this doesn't feel like a real body way yeah. and then they start chopping it up well they get they get do? the frank supervisor bert who owns the medical oh, supply yes. warehouse bert has to come there's he a very great scene with um frank where he has to get bert on the phone and yeah. the two of them have just been running around screaming for the better part of you know five yeah. minutes and then he gets on the phone and it's very calm it's just this movie is loaded with laughs and i love it the performances are really good they're very very genuinely funny they really are Frank uh, is so very funny. My favorite my favorite line, I think, maybe in the movie is... So they get burned. It's the three of them now in the medical supply warehouse trying to figure out what to do with this corpse that is flailing around, this, this zombie. Uh, and they decide, oh, you have, to, you have to destroy the brain. You have to separate the brain from the body. And they do that, and it doesn't stop it. Now there's just a headless zombie and the, mm-hmm. uh, a head that is ice-picked stuck to the ground. Yeah. And... Uh, I say, oh, it worked in the movie. You mean the movie lied? <laughs> Literally the best line possibly in this whole movie is, you mean the movie lied? It's just, it's, it's so perfect good. delivery. It's so funny. Again, it's because they're just already in this screaming mode at this point. They're all just yelling at each other, which I always find very refreshing in a horror movie when it feels realistically like people are freaking out the way they would freak out. It's very funny. It's also me. self-aware in a way that I feel is a little bit ahead of its time. Not yes. like totally, like we were, we were playing with tropes at this point in horror, but... You know, everything in the 90s is this sort of, like, meta... Yes. Uh, I mean, like, even Shot of the Dead is, like, a very meta zombie comedy, mm-hmm. right, version of this. But this movie is self-aware enough to do this in 1985, which, like you said, it's already yeah an innovator in, in exactly. the genre. It's really fascinating um, that it was creating these things, but also commenting on them. So what they do is they're going to go across the cemetery to the mortuary, where Bert's friend Ernie, that he's known for 20 years, mm-hmm. is going to help them incinerate the bodies. They can destroy the body completely yeah. because chopping it up doesn't do anything. They chop up the body and put it in trash bags. Yeah. Can I t- give you two, two trivia facts uh, based on this little sure. piece? So 
the one trivia fact, and I think it's very funny because I actually mentioned this to you while we were watching, is that when they show Ernie all of the little bags um, with all the body parts in them, they're all moving, but in this very um, clearly robotic robotic way. And I was like, that's so funny. They've got all these little robots in there that they've just turned on and are just like moving to show that this body is very active. Well, those actually were, were those little um, monkeys with the symbols. Oh my God. And so they took the symbols out, obviously, but it's just, if you want to picture all of those monkeys just clapping over and over again, that's what's in those bags, which I find incredible. That's incredible. Special effects is just problem solving. It's just... It is. And I just love things like that where it's like, it's not like, oh, let's build robots for each of these pieces. It's like, no, no, just run out and get some of those clapping monkeys. We'll take the symbols out. It's fine. Which I just, I love. I think it's so funny. The other thing I thought was interesting that I wanted to tell you is that um, Ernie's like full name in the movie is Ernst Kaltenbrunner, which is the name of a Nazi. And so there was like questions of like, is he supposed to be a Nazi? And um, Dan O'Bannon in the, the DVD commentary of this when it was released talked about how he like potentially was supposed to like in the original script was going to be like a Nazi in hiding. And they didn't do anything with that? They didn't do anything with it. It's just that it's present in like this incinerator that he has and uh, this like he knows his way around a crematorium like very fucked up but it says that he seems surprised and ashamed when he learns the dead can feel pain. So that's kind of like how uh, that was brought in apparently in the original script. And then I think they dropped it because it was, it's a little dark and serious. It's a little too much. And also like, I think we're supposed to like him as a character and obviously we're not going to like him if he's a Nazi in hiding. Um, But I did think it was interesting uh, just to bring up that that was like part of their original thought process. So they end up burning this body, which works in that it destroys the body and there's no longer a zombie chasing them around. But the chemicals burn up too and go out the smokestack and then it starts raining and the rain... (sighs) <sighs> brings the chemicals down into the cemetery that they're next to. Yep. Which is where the punks are. They're chilling there. They're, they're having... chilling in the cemetery. Yeah. Linnea Quigley, uh, Scream Queen star, is just naked. Fully, just full frontal naked. Dancing around. Mm-hmm. There's actually, can I tell you another trivia fact? I'm sorry, this movie's full of them. Okay. Um, She originally had pubic hair. <laughs> what do you mean originally? Orig- originally when she was going to go do the scene, she had pubic hair. And then they were like, no, we cannot have pubic hair in this movie. Like, that's too much. Uh, It's too too sexual, I guess. So they went and she went and shaved, which she said was the most embarrassing part of this whole thing was just that she had to go shave and come back. And she came back and they were like, that's worse. (laughs) Now you can see everything. What did they think was going to happen? I don't know. I guess men are stupid. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So they ended up fitting her with a little, like... Uh, vagina labia like uh, piece that went over her crotch um, that she hated and was like this is like the biggest pain that's the story of the the three tier uh, nude scene from <laughs> quickly that's a national hero I mean, seriously it's a really it's a very great scene I'm very proud of her uh, so yeah the chemicals are in the ground now now everyone in the graveyard is a zombie um that, that's pretty much off to the races for the rest of this. Yeah. We're gonna, we'll talk about the rest of the locations, but the rest of this is them running from zombies. Yeah. At, in various locations. And various, like, kinds of zombies, I think. We've kind of got, like, I would say three different kinds. Is that Do you feel like that's accurate? Would you like to tell me what they are? Yes. The one kind is the kind from the graveyard. They uh-huh. are less skeletal. I feel like they're mostly human-looking with 
various kind of decay and like blue faces and stuff, but they really do look like humans. Does this include Do You Want a Party guy who's very skeletal? Who's that? So when the raid comes down, then they start climbing up out of the grave. Uh-huh. And uh, one of them comes up and opens its mouth and the music starts playing. Oh. Do you want a party? Right, right. I think he's the exception because he's also at the end, right? Yeah. I think he is the exception because you have that moment of the skeletal, but for the most part, other than that, I mean, it's like it's hundreds of extras running around, right? Like they don't, they don't look particularly gory. I think they just kind of have um, an element of decay to them. Sure. That's my, that's how I felt about them. Um, they, as you said, can run, can speak. Um, they do lots of sneaky shit where they, <laughs> when, when EMTs pull up at some point and then cops pull up, um, they kill the EMTs and the cops and then get on the radio and are like, send more paramedics, send more cops, which is so funny because it's just smart enough that it's like they're intelligent and they, they want, they can use the radio, but it's also ridiculous. It's incredible. It's so funny. I love it. I love the yeah. fact that they do that because when, when have you ever seen a fucking zombie do that in another movie? I never even, have. Even now. I never have. It's, and it's so original. Hilarious. Even if it's crazy, it's original. It's very and I original. I love it so much. And it get, that's why it's so funny is because it isn't like, it isn't like a hyper smart zombie who's like strategic. It's like just this really like silly zombie who's like, I want brains. How can I get more radio if I use They'll send up, yes, send more cops. I just think it's very funny. Yeah. Um, the second kind, uh, I would say, is what um, Freddie and Frank end up becoming. I wanted to talk about that. Okay. So they're very sick from the chemicals, and they're getting yeah. worse by the minute. Yeah. When this they is wake they up, call EMT. Yeah. When they wake up, they're already like pretty gaunt, and their skin is discolored. Mm-hmm. But as the night has gone on, I think before they even know that there are zombies out there. Frank and Freddy are deteriorating. Yeah, well, they just look sick at first. They look, like, sweaty and feverish and, like, a little yellow. Um, But then the paramedics, they call the EMTs, the paramedics show up, mm -hmm. and they're like, you have no pulse, you have no pupillary response, your body is 70 degrees, you are dead. You're in front of me, so I know you're not dead, but, like, basically you're dead. The EMTs are great, too. Yeah. There's, I want to talk about it more later, but there's a really interesting element of this movie where I feel like everybody talks and reacts very realistically like they're they they, they're taking the pressure you know blood pressure and pulse and looking at them at their bodies and then the one emt is just like can i talk to you over here for a second and the two of them just kind of go off together and come back and they're like we know how this sounds but you don't have any of these things that indicate life and so i just feel like it was a very like i'll talk about it more later but just very realistic uh way that I feel like that would actually happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that extends to all of it. It's not just like, I think suicide, who's one of the, the punks, uh, he's very offended that they like use him for his car. Like they don't really care about him. They yeah. use him his car. And later Linnea quickly, uh, trash is her character's name. We just keep calling her Linnea quickly. Uh, like it's like coming on to him because she's been dancing around naked and he's like are you kidding me we're in a graveyard like why are you horny right now? This <laughs> yeah. is like back off. And I just, I think that that's a joke character. There's no depth to suicide. Yeah. But he's so perfect. And again, I think he acts like a real person. Yes. I think they all do. He's moody in like this interesting yes. way. And he even says to her, he's like, what is he? Do you what exactly what he says? Something like, this isn't just a performance. Oh, this isn't I'm a doing. costume. This yeah. isn't a costume. Like, he's serious about being like punk. And he's not just going to like fall into, you know, 
bed with her in this graveyard. Like, he's taking his role very seriously, and it's very funny. The third zombie... Is the Tar Man, which I think it's so funny that they refer to him that way in this movie. Mm -hmm. But this is the skeleton that was in the chamber that the gas was in. Yeah. Um, And so when he emerges, he is... Like, I can't... I just... Thinking about him, he's crazy. He has a skull head, but his body is like, it's like tar. Yeah. And he has a full kind of like arms and legs, but they kind of drag. There's like mm-hmm. stuff kind of coming off of him. Um, and he is perhaps the smartest yeah. of the zombies. He's extremely strategic. Um, he is mo- He's not in a lot of this movie. I think, honestly, because he's like kind of OP and he would just destroy <laughs> all of them Like if he were to Rain, you know, run free. Um, but he does have some really, really, really excellent scenes. One where Tina, mm-hmm. Freddie's girlfriend, is trapped in um. Well, she's she's shut herself in a um little filing cabinet and like put a pipe through the thing. Like she's she's done it all. She's she should be safe from zombies. But he like finds a chain and and like it's hooked up to like a pulley and he attaches it and he starts cranking the pulley to like pull the doors open. And when I saw this, I was like. No, 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 no. That's not allowed. Zombies can't be, like, so strategic like yeah. this. He's too good. And then, like, when uh, the rest of kind of the group come in to try to save her, he just gets suicide and chomps right through his head into his brain. So mm-hmm. this this man, Tarman, he is out of control. Like, I loved him. Uh, he also, what, is, what does he say? He's got a great, like, voice. Uh, when he says things, does he just say brains? I think. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's really excellent. Yeah, I it's a great him. it's a great effect. He looks awesome. He's like one of the iconic images from this movie, which makes sense, even though he's yes. not in that much of it, because it's such a great special effect. Mm-hmm, it really is. So there's a group at the medical supply warehouse. There's a group at the mortuary. They're getting picked off one by one. They end up capturing a zombie who. Takes just a, the, the top half of one. Takes a big bite out of one of them, and they get the top half. They tie it to the table, the operating table, or I guess, I don't know what it is. It's an embalming table, It's maybe? an embalming table, yeah. It's where earlier there's a great, like, uh, callback kind of moment where the first time we see Ernie, he is um, removing, uh, what's the word? I have no idea. Um, when a body has been dead for a long time. Rigor mortis. Rigor mortis. He's removing the rigor mortis off of a body so that you can he can move the um, limbs, and so then later on when we've kind of realized that what's happening to um, Frank and Freddie is that they are dying in front of us essentially, but like still alive. Um, they at one point like it's really hard for them to move, and it's because rigor mortis is like setting into them while they're still living, which is such a cool idea. It's I love it. It's so good. And it's a good moment of, like, we have seen what Rigor Mortis does, and we've seen how he knows about it, and then it comes back with these two characters who are dying. It's awesome. Yeah, and the zombie they capture, uh, Ernie's interrogating it and says, why do you eat people? And she says, not people, brains. And she goes on to explain that it's because it makes the pain go away. Yeah, dying The pain of being painful. dead. Not mm-hmm. dying, but she's like, I can feel dead. myself rot. And that's just such a horrifying and evocative... It's very haunting. Like, to think of of them needing and the movie doesn't go into any of the like further lore exploration of this it's not 
That's not really no, what it's but about. it made me think a lot about like what is it about a brain that could stop? And that's what's so interesting pain? is that it leaves yeah. it to you to think about while just being like the zombies need brains because it hurts. So all of these zombies are zombies are just suffering, mm-hmm. which is so so interesting. It is, and it's always a great thing with monsters. Um, in horror when there's not that it obviously not that it justifies what they're doing but that it isn't just we don't have to just trust that it's like bloodlust or fleshlust it is like it's coming from this very human place of fear of pain mm-hmm. that is you're right it's 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 very it, it's really thought-provoking and striking do you talk about all the little things that happen they put frank and freddie in the chapel then freddie becomes like a brain-hungry zombie and turns on Tina. Um, they both kind of go brain-hungry, but Frank has the, I don't know, maturity, foresight. Uh, he's old and therefore tired. Some element of him, even though he is like completely zombified and is aggressive, um, he Incinerates goes, himself. He incinerates himself, which is like very... Again, this movie kind of tugs the heartstrings at certain points. Like, it's sad. It's definitely sad. It has this just horrible vibe of like, I will not live like this. Yeah. Um, and also just that he's putting himself through immeasurable pain. Uh, and also that he is doing the wrong thing. There's a tra- there's a tragedy, a dramatic irony of um, that he is destroying himself, but doing the same problem where if his cells are, you know, imbued with this disease or this, this chemical, chemical um, they're going off into the air they're coming down on innocent people and continuing this cycle forever. Mm -hmm. So like it's one of those kind of best intentions or maybe he's just being selfish uh, to stop his own pain. Yeah. You know, it's a fascinating question. Bert and Spider end up getting the cop car. They drive around. They make it back to the medical supply warehouse and they finally end up calling the number on the side of the canister of 245 trioxin put in this telephone tag reaching up to highest levels of the military who uh, end up telling the president and it's implied that that lost shipment of Easter eggs have finally hatched and then uh, they end up nuking Louisville. Yeah, it's messed up. It's a really messed up ending. <laughs> Quote, only square 20 square blocks destroyed, less than 4,000 dead. Some complaints about burning skin, but the rain should wash all that away. Which, of course, we know means that that rain is just going to propagate yes, more, more and more zombies. zombies. Mm-hmm. And I think, if not the last line, but one of the last lines is, oh no, the president the president will be there in Louisville tomorrow and we wouldn't want that to happen. Yeah. So this is just going to set up more chaos and disaster. And it's obviously such a commentary on use of like atomic weapons. Of course, oh my god, in the 80s, like, this very Cold War, like, yeah. it is, that is what this is about. The, yeah, just you know, that it propagates more violence and is... The U.S. Har- military having this thing in the first place. to the people. Yeah, and, and also just that it's so sad that, like, when they're on the phone with these people, it's Bert and a few of the teens that are left, and he's, you know, they're also excited that they, like, have someone on the phone who's gonna help them. Yeah. And Casey says something like, oh, this is so great, like, do you think they'll be here soon? Like, literally, right before the bomb goes off. Yeah. And it's... And there's also, like, um, Ernie and uh, Tina. Tina Tina have been hiding from um, Freddy, Zombie Freddy, in this, like, crawl space, and he bursts through just at that moment. Yeah. Um, so there's, like, this certain tragedy of, like, she sees him one last time, and he doesn't actually kill her, but he was about to, so they're screwed anyway, which way. And it's all just, it's very sad. It's a very sad, fucked up ending. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. 
it's a it's a bummer, but it felt like a good bummer. If that's if that makes any sense. That's the plot. It's a it's a really good movie. Uh, I know it ends on a bummer note, but it's a genuinely very funny. I don't think we should sit here and just tell all the jokes because I think you should go watch the movie no, and yeah. hear the jokes for yourself. Please do. One of my favorite things. Just talk. Just let's wrap up with a little observ- few little observations. Mm-hmm. The zombies from the cemetery who can't get into the mortuary, the ones who say send more paramedics, send more cops, mm-hmm. set up this whole system. They have a whole organ like organized system for ambushing cops where. Uh, one of them will be waving the cops in, and then mm-hmm. they'll all just come out from the sides yeah. and swarm them. Super relevant, don't you think? <laughs> Isn't that interesting that like this movie also kind of acts as a commentary about like, you know, the power of the people and how <laughs> they they send a lot of cops and these zombies overpower them at every turn. And I'm just saying, like, you know, it kind of has a you know direct relevance to stuff that's going on right now. I'm just you know putting it out there. <laughs> Sure. We yeah. can overpower the cops, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it helps if you're already dead and you have literally nothing to lose. Uh, sure, yeah. Any other stray observations? I um, really like Zombie Linnea Quigley. Oh, I love her. This way, I, I forgot we were talking about that. Like, I think it's so sad that she is fully naked, as great as it is. Um, it's it's a bummer because she has this very iconic look about her. She's got this like shock of red and not like not like ginger hair, like red Little Mermaid red hair. Yeah. Um. And she, when she, she gets like taken over by zombies and then kind of turns undead very quickly. And she is like stark white. So that she just has this like stark white coloring, this kind of creepy zombie face and this very red hair. And so she's just going around feasting on everybody. And she's so iconic looking, but you can never like show her or cosplay as her. And she can't be like kind of an iconic horror movie, you know, villain because she is fully naked. And so it's just obviously hard to show, um, in, you know, any kind of commercial capacity, but I love her. I just realized that she looks like Marilyn Manson on the cover of mechanical animals. I'm showing Liz now. Yeah. That's very, that is very much what she looks like. And it's well, I, I just put that together in my head and I wonder if that is an intentional influence for her, which came first. Which came first, Return yeah. of the Living Dead or Marilyn Manson? I don't know. Return of the Living Dead came first. Yeah, so it, it clearly influenced Marilyn Manson, is what you're saying. I think so. Yeah. It sure as shit looks like it. Oh my God, don't act like it's ridiculous for me to think that Marilyn Manson could have existed in 1985. I don't know anything about that man. Well, that's on you. Well, maybe. Anyway, I agree that it is an iconic look, and she has a line earlier about how she fantasizes about dying and the worst way to die would be ripped apart by old men, which is what she gets ripped apart by zombies. Yeah, bummer. You know what else is really amazing about this movie? What? The score. Yeah, Oh my God. Every time uh, there's some kind of um, extended sequence, like the rain is coming down and the, um, what was it? It was for the credit sequence first and then when the rain's coming down and, um, all of the zombies are rising. The theme plays and it is just like, I can hear it in my head right now. And it is such good, like eighties, uh, synthesizer score. I'm just obsessed with it. I have to add it to my Halloween playlist. Don't let me forget. Yeah, absolutely. Nee, 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 nee. Do you know what I was talking about? Yes. yes. <laughs> Any other thoughts? No, just go watch it. Watch this movie. It's really funny. It's pretty sad. The characters are good. I actually, I liked it even more this time. I just watched this two months ago and I liked it more this time. I just think it, uh, it's a future, it's a future classic for the rotation of Fully Halloween agree. movies. Fully agree. 
Are you ready to pull up that roulette and see what'll be next? Yes. While Liz is pulling that up, I'm going to remind everyone that our next episode that you hear will not be this roulette choice. It will be another one of these in-between that we're still seeking your suggestions on what to call. (laughs) Uh, If you have any input or any thoughts whatsoever, let us steal your ideas, please. We'll be covering the films that we have watched and will continue to be watching from Fantasia Fest in Montreal and on your computers, (laughs) which is where we're watching the films. Yes. Really excited to talk about some of those. Yeah, there's some really exciting stuff. We are currently embargoed for a few of them, but our next episode, I think, will be a, a don't miss in terms of recommendations of some really, really great horror films that we have been lucky enough to watch yeah, for Fantasia. Absolutely. Got that roulette pulled up? I do. All right. Our next movie will be... They're watching? They're watching. I always say things with a question mark. They are watching. Where is this film available? It is on Amazon Video. Amazon Prime. From 2016? Yes. 2016... Uh... It, listen, it's got a really cool poster, um, which often intrigues me. All right. Yeah. I've never heard of this. I know nothing about it. They're watching. All right. Join us next time for Fantasia Fest coverage. And then after that for They're Watching. They're Watching. I love that title, honestly. Yeah, it's good. We'll see. We'll see if it fits. I know. <laughs> I always get my hopes up. The roulette. Until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Please. Just talk to us. As always, thanks to Wes Craven and to Dan O'Bannon for being friends with my grandmother when they were in Mensa together in St. Louis. (laughs) I grew up... Thanks, Dan O'Bannon, for being friends with my grandma. (laughs) I grew up with my mother and grandmother telling me about Dan O'Bannon before I had ever seen Alien, before I'd seen any of these movies... My grandmother would brag about how she was friends with Dan O'Bannon. That's sweet. Before I was born. That's nice. It's fascinating. It is very sweet. (laughs) Rest in peace to my grandma. Rip. Thanks, Dan. Who's also dead. (laughs) They're partying in heaven together. He died before my grandma. Sad. This isn't interesting. (laughs) I don't don't know why. (laughs) Sorry. timelines of Dan O'Bannon's death and Evan's grandmother's death. Sorry, everyone. Dark. Until next time. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Did you say until next time twice? Maybe. (laughs) 